Blog Talk Radio. Dr. Carol Francis Talk Radio Show. Let's make life happen together with authors, scientists, researchers, both inside the box and outside the box of understanding so that you can live a life full of your success, curiosity, enjoyment, happiness, and richness of life in every respect. Let's go beyond our limits and let's help others go beyond their limits as well. Welcome. Hi, this is Dr. Carol Francis. We're having a brand new system of audio trying out today. And I think I just went a little glitchy. It doesn't matter. I'm so glad you could join us. We're going to talk about the glitches in marriage and relationships that really do lead to abusive circumstances. And mostly I'm going to focus on those particular tools, emotional tools and practical tools that will help individuals avoid being in abusive situations or will help you be able to get out of abusive situations. So it's important to know at all times that what escape routes you have, whether you're in a theater where there's a crazy random shooter going on, you need to know where those exit doors are. Whether you are in an airplane, you need to know where those exit doors are. And unfortunately, knowing where exit doors are in relationships does compromise the longevity and the solidarity of a relationship. And that's one reason why for so long people used to say, well, if you make your bed, you have to sleep in it. Um, Because they really did want to encourage people to stick through a marriage, whether it was tough or unpleasant or complicated, so that people would have the solidarity of being able to work through complications and all the way to the wonderful success afterwards. Because truly the best relationships have gone through stormy weather. But they've gone through stormy weather together in such a way that at the other end of it, they're more mature, they've grown up together, and they've also been able to realize that their love for one another really can endure. It is not the same love as that nice, wonderful, juicy, romantic, sexually attracting love necessarily. That can always be there. You know, that has to be worked on, by the way. But that's another topic. But we're really talking about the type of love where very, very deeply it is a commitment to sharing the other person's life and their ups and downs and a commitment to also sharing your life and your ups and downs and knowing that the other person's going to hang with you and you're going to hang with them. And it's those qualities of tenacity that allow a relationship to endure. But the problem is, is that there are times when really a relationship should not endure. And it's at those times when the relationships have become abusive. However, I do have to say that abusive moments do exist in every single relationship, whether it's parent to child, child to parent, a spouse. I'm not saying it's okay because it's not. But at the same time, I do need to recognize realistically that there are times when we lose it or they lose it and not ever really for good reasons. It's not truly ever justifiable. I'll get to that more in a moment. But but because but because human beings are limited, they can be stressed, they can be put over their edge, and because we can be very provocative with each other, face it, the person whom you married can be the biggest disappointment and the biggest irritation, and vice versa. By versa, you can be the biggest disappointment and the biggest irritation in their life as well. Which brings me to the first tool. 
there needs to be some sort of commitment in a relationship where both people look at each other and say, you know, I know that my relationship with you is enhanced when I'm happy and I'm content and I'm successful in my own self. And I also know this relationship is enhanced when I am respectful of you. So those two things hand in hand, a person who can say, I'm going to do my best to be as content and happy and in a positive frame of mind as I possibly can at any given moment. I'm not going to do it perfectly. And I'm not going to do it every time. And I am going to be in a state of need, no question about it. But just imagine that overarching commitment is I will maintain my general mental and emotional well-being so that our relationship doesn't have to be taxed by me being a grump or difficult to be with or disharmonious or discourteous, which gets me to my second point. And the second point was you want to be with an individual who ultimately, bottom line, has the characteristic that they want to treat you and all people with respect. Now that word with respect is an interesting word because what in the world does it mean? And in a sense, we could say, what does abuse mean too? But what does it respect mean? And they're really kind of at the other opposite ends of the pole, but people get very confused. And why they get confused is that they feel, some people would feel as if they're not being respected if they don't get what they want. Or they feel not respected emotionally when they're living in disappointment or they're living in frustration. So that they can get confused about what it means to be disrespected because they're basing it upon whether or not they feel good or whether or not they're happy or whether or not they're indulged or whether or not they're getting what they want. And that's not the definition of respect. So the definition of respect is, is that this other individual is not harming me and has no intention to harm me and will do their best to make sure that I'm safe in their presence. Um, in addition, that person is has the characteristics of someone who wants to do well by others, both in their generosity, also in their sense of doing no harm. Sounds a little bit like what, you know, physicians, the Hippocratic Oath, you know, above all else, do no harm. Well, I think it's kind of true with couples too. We need to take a Hippocratic Oath with each other, which is really what marital vows are supposed to be, and say, above all else, do no harm to one another. Don't do harm to yourself and don't do harm to another. And that needs to be a fundamental characteristic of the person you're going to marry. Now, please know that if they have an inclination to think it's okay to fly off the handle, get angry, be physically aggressive, if they think it's okay to yell and scream or put someone down, if they're not flimmoxed by the discomfort of confronting another person and, and, and if they approach another person as if, everybody deserves to be put in their place this is an individual that is likely to become abusive to you when you disappoint them face it or when your children disappoint them because they're looking at the world as something that needs to be in accord with their own point of view or their own pleasures or their own sensibilities and as a consequence they think that when their own sensibilities have been violated they have every right to step on someone else's toes now for a moment I do want to address that it's really great to have the power to be able to tell someone what you need and 
stand up for what you need. And it's also great to have the power to be clear about what you want to need. And it's also great to be able to figure out how to influence others so that you can optimize your life. Now, influencing, I'm using, is different than the word manipulation, although one could argue that they're exactly the same. But it's nice to have the power to be able to influence someone so that what you need or want is more likely to be a part of your path than if you feel completely powerless and unable to tell someone what you need or tell someone what you want or influence them in a way that will help you enjoy your path. But that's a little different than demanding that someone else do it your way or do it for you or putting someone down and belittling them or confronting them just because they've been a big disappointment. So you want to be involved with someone who fundamentally cares to be respectful of you and respectful of other people, whether it's a waitress, whether it's someone that works on their car, whether it's a mother and father, whether it's a little child, whether it's another car in traffic. Fundamentally, they might get mad and they might get frustrated, they might get confrontational, but fundamentally, it bothers them to be disrespectful. And they aim to not be disrespectful. And when they are disrespectful, which inevitably everybody will be, they aim to try to make up for it in, in, in a way that is either by way of a sincere apology or correcting the circumstance uh, and definitely owning the inappropriateness of it. Now, with people who are abusive, they can often say, I'm sorry, a lot of times. But that's a little bit different than what I'm saying right now, which is someone who clear-headedly can know when they've not done it well and work very definitely, conscientiously to not repeating it and more more to the point that they just don't ever want to be doing it and they're not justifying themselves. Okay, now remember, every human being is going to be able to be angry and abusive. Every human being, I don't care how passive you are, I don't care how peacefully you, you approach life, I don't care how amazing you are, unless you are a guru and ascended master, I tell you, you're going to get angry at times, be abusive at times, and really inappropriately use words and emotional attacks and manipulations that do harm another person and also are very disrespectful of that other person. And others will do it to you, too. Those people that are closest to you will do it to you. Those people who ultimately want to love you will do it to you. And, but when they cross the line of thinking it's okay, and when it crosses the line of harming you emotionally, physically, or mentally, then that's when you're no longer okay. It is now abuse. And crossing that line of abuse tends to happen either with a big episode or gradually creeps its way into it. So now we've discussed two ways in which to make sure you don't enter into a an abusive relationship. But let's discuss some ways to make sure that you don't participate in creating an abusive relationship. So one thing that I want you to consider is that the same idea of respect comes in the picture. When you respect another individual and simultaneously respect yourself, then you try to work out ways to communicate what your needs are and to also understand what the needs are of the other individual. Knowing that those needs are not necessarily simultaneously both going to be met most of the time, Usually it's going to be a give and a take, and in the best of relationships, there are gives and takes, and the overall bank account of a relationship works out. It's it's okay. It's not in debt. It's not the, the, the it's in credit. The overall function of the relationship is that both people feel like they're getting what they need, and getting what they want, 
enjoying each other and being able to feel respected by the other person. So the idea is that you want to be able to learn how to communicate what it is you want and know that your partner also needs to learn how to communicate that too. Now communication, just for a moment, is not always words. Sometimes it's actions, sometimes it's a written note, sometimes it's a simple request, and rarely is it nagging, rarely is it telling the other person how they've disappointed you, rarely is it uh, manipulating them so that they'll do it better next time, rarely is it putting them down because they were such fools they didn't know better. The, these sorts of things are just kind of borderline not okay, and they can lead, they can move, they can grow into feeling like uh, treating someone verbally or emotionally or physically abusively is okay because somehow that's the only time they hear you. That's the only time they take you seriously. That's the only time they do what you want. Now there's something broken down if that's the way you've had to be is abusive. Now nagging's not abuse and yelling's not abuse, but it can certainly go in that direction. So if you're in the process of nagging and then now starting to put the person down and now starting to tell the person repeatedly how what a failure they are and now starting to tell that person what you want and how they can never meet it, then you have to realize there's something really crippled about this relationship and your ability to communicate, that other person's ability to hear you. Well, I work with a lot of couples where they move into a much more satisfied way of being able to connect what they want to connect with with the other individual. Now, on the other side, on the flip side of it, realize if that's also happening to you, you you might be in a situation, one of the tools of working with progressively abusive relationships, you might be in a situation where you can actually kind of call it up. You can tell them very simply, I'm sorry, but I do not want to be nagged. Let's figure out an alternate way of you communicating what you need or want. I'm sorry, I know you want this. I'm not able to give that to you. Let's see how we can help you get what you need. So remember when you're nagged, that means you probably weren't listening, you stopped caring, or you stopped intervening, or you got lazy on the relationship. So being nagged also means you have a part of the responsibility because you probably are acting disrespectfully and not investing in the health and the welfare of the relationship. By the time someone gets to nagging you, you've let it go too far. But by the time you're nagging someone, you've let it go too far. And that's when counseling really can be very helpful with the right therapist. Okay, now let's move into another tool that can help you move away from the relationship. If you find yourself trying to manipulate the other person by telling them how stupid they are, as soon as you are telling them how stupid or inadequate they are, you have walked in very subtly into an abusive situation where you're putting down the other person. It's very subtle and it's just the beginning. But when you start putting the other person down, you're actually attacking their emotional integrity. And this is an act of disrespect. So that for you to point to what you need and try to figure out how that can be gotten is very different than you telling that person chronically how awful they are. So remember, we can hypnotize each other in a half a second to do what we want or to feel bad about themselves. And it's those skills of knowing how to influence another individual. So let me give you a few tools. First, the way you, in, way you influence another individual is how they try to influence you. So in their healthiest way of trying to influence you to do something, try that same approach on them so that they will more likely respond to what they're trying to use with you than what you're using. For example, 
you may be really, really good with a hammer, but that other person may need a Phillips screwdriver. And so you need to put down the hammer and stop trying to hammer in a Phillips screw and start learning how to use the Phillips screwdriver because you've just got the wrong tool. It may be really good at using the hammer, but that doesn't mean it's going to work in that situation. However, person's trying to use a Phillips screwdriver in your project and what that project is a hammer then what their equipment is is not going to work with you either so you look to what ways that other person in their healthiest most respectful way tries to influence another person do they do good acts do they act more friendly and happy do they try to make you happy are they using words are they using actions are they using emotions are they using affection uh, you know what are they what what is their thing because that's going to be the way in which you can influence them so if you influence them in the same way that they're trying to influence you you're using their language not necessarily words women I have to talk to you about words for most men words are fine as long as they communicate how and what how and what just leave it there how and what maybe when practical very give me the tools tell me what to do I'm here just how what and maybe when but not why they should and not how they should actually get it done meaning that you're sitting there micromanaging their technique um, but what is needed in that situation so that they manifest fulfilling that need using their own approach to fulfilling it you need a bookcase put up you don't hound that person tell them how lazy they are over and over again in order to encourage them to put up the bookcase the fact is you're built in a lot of resistance when you're moving into that abusive communication but on the other hand if you start talking about all the creative projects they're really really good at and how you like to do projects with them would that wall look great with a a bookcase up on it with paints behind it we can get all the books up and and organized around the house for those of us that still have books you know there's like a, a way of motivating it and as a matter of fact parents with children often have better ways of motivating their children when they say hey you know what you need to get your homework done I would love to sit down with you and show me that or we need to do the dishes let's do the dishes together often is better for children who are highly social and would rather do a task with someone else present than those children that don't want anybody else around and they'll do it on their own. So you're using again their tools. Oh, if they're influenced by social interaction, then put social interaction into getting the task done. Let's go back to the bookcase, for example. Honey, that wall looks so great with the bookcase. And I know you and Jim are so good when you work together as carpenters. Can I call up Jim and see if he has some time to work together so that we can get that bookcase up? Now you've turned into something social. And maybe we can uh, have some nice cool beer and some pizza afterward. It's become a social activity that's more likely to get the job done than to not. And that's the power of figuring out how to influence as opposed to nag. Now, does it take a lot more mental energy to do that? Yes, it does. But it protects the relationship. It's respectful of you. It's communicating their language. It's respectful of them. And you're getting the job done. Now, there's a big misnomer in marriages. Just because you're married doesn't mean you have to stop working hard. If anything, you have to work harder. Just because you're married doesn't mean you can suddenly use whatever form of communication you feel like using. That's simply not true. Just because you're married, you don't get to own that other person's time. 
their time is still theirs. You don't get to own their body, their emotions, or their time. In many cases, not even their money. They are still a unique and individual person that needs to be treated respectfully, and so do you. So let's move on to the next section of this. The whole idea of respect an individual would have to get out of an abusive relationship is now the next part of what's going on. So I've been talking about relationships that move into abuse, some of the ways they could do it, and some ways to avoid it. Now let's talk about those individuals where the relationship has gotten so bad, or maybe it even started off badly, but you just didn't know ahead of time that it was either going to go this way, or didn't recognize that you are susceptible to putting yourself into abusive situations. Individuals who are susceptible to it are, of course, people who lived their life with parents that were abusive to each other or to the children. Or you had siblings that were abusive. So that you've gotten really used, you have a high threshold tolerance of people being disrespectful of you. And you probably also have a have a very low sense of yourself and 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 feeling comfortable with your expectations that you be treated with respect and honor and enjoyment. You are a value, valued person, and you are a valued, valued creation. I mean, face it, your body alone is this miraculous, miraculous organic machine. It isn't just a, a you know, like there's so many humans around, we tend to not realize how amazing each of us really are and how breakable we all are and also how powerful we can all be. I mean, we kind of forget our intrinsic value. So if you have forgotten your intrinsic value because other people have, or you were raised to not think you had value, it is so easy to walk into a situation where someone's disrespectful of you. So now you're listening to this, so chances are you've kind of woken up. Oh, man, I'm in an abusive circumstance here. And they're really hard to get out of when you're deeply steeped in it. And people get deeply steeped in it by way of money, by way of children, and by way of fear, because you're under threat, and also by way of emotion. And one of the emotional ways that we get into it is someone saying, well, no one else will ever love you, or you're going to be alone. Oh, you made your bed and you must sleep in it. Well, you better work it out. You know this abuse is all your fault. If you'd only do this, this, and this, we'd never have these problems. Those are phrases that keep people emotionally trapped, and they use it with themselves, and other people use it too. Because remember, an abuser doesn't typically want the abusee to leave. Because actually the abuser is really dependent on the abusee, dependent for all sorts of reasons. If they think the world is all messed up, they'd rather blame the abusee. It just makes things seem more reasonable. If they don't want to improve something inside themselves because there's a major failure, you're more likely to want to blame the abuser for anything that goes wrong. An abusee is, is like a dog we can beat up when we just feel angry Whew, let's not beat up any dogs and let's not let ourselves be, be beat up as a human being. So to extricate yourself out of this, you one, you have to realize how entangled you are emotionally, how you've bought into a situation that somehow makes you feel like you deserve to be disrespected. That would be part of the emotions. And also telling yourself, I love him, I love her, and I know he or her will change. And the truth is, is that as long as you are in an abusive cycle, the relationship will not change it'll only get worse that's the higher prediction is that it will be more of the same it is very rare that an abusive individual actually gets better 
And that doesn't mean that you lose hope necessarily, but it means you extricate yourself out of the relationship while that person is unable to be respectful of you. And secondly, you need to have your own identity change. And your own identity change is, I need to be respected. I need to be respectful of myself. I need to be out of harm's way. And I need to not say that that's okay for me to be emotionally, physically, or sexually abused. I need to be out of harm's way. And to really believe that. And the third thing is you begin to look for where the exit signs are. Do you have shelters in your community that will keep you private and your identity hidden if you need to go that far? Do you have family members that you can rely on temporarily while you get yourself on your feet financially and you also rescue your children from that situation? I hate to say it, but if your children are watching you be abused, then they are also being abused and they're going to learn patterns that are going to haunt them all of their lives. If your children are being abused and you're not being abused, then you need to get out of there because number one, you'll lose your children if the Department of Children's Services ever picks up on it, but two, you'll lose them because they're so hateful of the fact that you allow them to be treated so badly. And also realize some children hang around because they just feel like they want to rescue the parent from the abuse. So you have to be really careful about children, but there are shelters and those shelters are right in your area and you can find them on the internet. You can call 911, you can call your police department, ask for the shelters. I'm being abused. Where can I go? They will have monies, food, clothing, job opportunities, places to sleep that are available for you. And you can plan this out so that you do not have to be around when this person comes home and finds out. And if they are truly abusive, they'll be angry at you and blame you, but they'll also miss you. Now, I'm talking about in the very, very extreme situations and the not so extreme situations. Sometimes the best thing to do is to move out, get out, and to get yourself stable and independent on your own while the other person and you work out whatever patterns are going on in the context of therapy. Now, do not, and I repeat, don't go to couples counseling thinking that three sessions is going to remedy it. I'm sorry to say, but there are some couples that will come to me for two sessions. And they feel so much better after that. They don't continue. And unfortunately, the abuse will just come back. The reason is this is because the abuse cycle tends to be that a person's abusive when they finally realize that they're going to lose the abusee or they finally have a little thought. That then they actually come back and they act more appropriate for a period of time until the abuse cycle wags back in. Another aspect of the abuse cycle that you have to be aware of is the person who's used to being abused actually can begin to torment the abuser in anticipation of the next abuse is around the corner and they rather torment the abuser and know when the next abuse is going to occur than to wait around for it oh gosh watch is not fun for anybody and whew, it's not something you want to engage in well, there's so much more we can discuss, isn't there? The idea of being able to plan ahead thoughtfully as to what the best exit strategy is, is something you need to think through. And you think through it second to the thought of, I need to be respectful of myself and to my children. I need to therefore get myself out of harm's way. How do I best do that? And then start the research. Don't just leap. 
start the research. And the reason I say don't just leap is because it usually takes abusive individuals at least seven times to get away, mostly because they leaped so complicated exit. Well, I wish you well. Don't hesitate to contact me. I'm a psychologist. I've been around for over 37 years, and I've been helping couples. I love to work with couples and see them move to a much better place in their existence. Oh, relationships can be hard, but they can be so satisfying when people truly understand that respect is the core and the general happiness and well-being is a really important thing to contribute to the happiness of the overall relationship. I'm Dr. Carol Francis. You can contact me through drcarolfrancis.com or you can contact me at drcarolfrancis at gmail.com. Both are in the description that's associated to the radio show. Take care and contact me. Let me know your success. Or contact me and let me help you with your relationship.